Welcome to the Story Discovery Podcast. I'm your co-host, J.W. McAteer. Coming up, you'll hear a new work from our free online publication, Etched Onyx. Please join me and co-host Melissa Collings after the reading when we talk with the author about their work and all things writing and otherwise. Hey, listeners. Today's show features one of our fall contest winners. But before we begin, Melissa and I would like to thank Katie McDougall and A.M. Ringwald, our prose and poetry judges, for their work in selecting the top entries. We also want to thank each writer and poet who submitted your work for consideration. We received many amazing stories and poems and appreciate the opportunity to read your work. We wish all of you continued success in your writing endeavors. This podcast and all related materials are a production of Onyx Publications. All works, stories, and poems are copyright 2022. All rights reserved. Today's feature and one of our honorable mention winners is... Pastoral and Other Poems, written by Meggie Royer and narrated by Melissa Collings. Settle in and enjoy. Pastoral. For many months, my mother was afraid of my death. A penance for every vial of whiskey. Atonement for the night I walked barefoot to the bank to call her after discharge. An overdose is a psalm. I was buried in the mouth of swallows. I was swaddled in the gasp of reeds. I had no words upon my arrival. When you meet your maker, you also meet your match. The way a bottle tilted on its long edge preordains its eventual course to the sea. Forgive me, I told her, if I've lost my emergence. Some things knock the wind out of you like rappelling down 50 feet of land. Restorative Justice When you hold the conch, you can speak. Not any longer, and not any less. Prideful, our unknowing dispute. I am asked whether I swallowed, and whether it might count. Not a morning passes that the lake doesn't grow in size, that the gilding of our sky edges itself into oblivion. If you can hold me down, you can hold me tighter. A saguro, battered by wind, can form the bones of a fence. There was never any water, just the way a land bows in heat. You always said if I could take it once, I could take a little more. Ring Theory I catalogued once the story of a woman beheaded by her partner. It was thick, the pollen that day, yellow like evening's dust. The real question is how we go on without words. If we can't conceive taking a life, we conceive making one. The land was closed up like a mountain after her. 
everything was after her. You don't witness that and lose its shape to memory. Some of the outlets omitted her name. The real question is how we go on, after terror is ongoing, how the brain partitions fear from love, how we reduce someone to their last day on earth, blank slate of stones, an entire pittance of roses. Nighthawks. The title refers to a 1942 oil-on-canvas painting by Edward Hopper that depicts people in an evening diner. An entire subreddit dedicated to the night feeling. Sense of your unease diminished. Echolalia of your current past. If you forget well enough, you can always remember. Half-life of a palm against your neck. How a trachea, once unfurled, opens like a stem. A girl looking through the window comments on your throat. Coffee oiled against the counter, half moon beyond the glass. Some things you order, you can't take back. Portmanteau. Hephaestus was the Greek god of blacksmiths, who saved his mother Hera from rape and later assaulted the goddess Athena. His father Zeus threw him from Mount Olympus as punishment for protecting his own wife from his advances. Imagine anvils piled like a school of fish. Legend says to save one woman, you must hurt another. Cast like bone to meet bone, like falling for a full day. Lily pads of your childhood bursting like hammers. Double-headed, his tools. You hold one face but show another. If you make all the weapons, you are responsible for all the wars. Verdant, love is, like plunging into the only world that ever held you. You just listened to Pastoral and Other Poems by Meggie Royer. And we have her on the show today to talk with us about this honorable mention piece that has won in our fall contest. Uh, Maggie, thank you for coming on the show and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Good. So great to have you on. And Melissa, if she stopped laughing enough to unmute, and <laughs> I will welcome Melissa to the show as well. Hello. <laughs> so sorry, listeners. It's, it's just one of those mornings. Um, at any rate. Maggie, so uh, one of the first things we always do is start by you telling us about yourself and give us a little background on your writing journey, which it sounds like you've been super successful from the background yes. videos you already sent us, but um, you're kind of early in the process. So tell us about sure. it. Sure. Yeah, so I'm 28. I started writing when I was about 18 or 19 um, in high school. So I've been writing since then, mostly poetry, uh, sometimes a little bit of prose, and um I really got my start in high school. I had a really fantastic high school English teacher who really inspired me. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of just picked up poetry on a whim and started writing. Um, I didn't know anyone at that point who was writing poetry. So it was kind of something I never expected, but I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, and I, I won 
one of the National Scholastic Art and Writing Awards when I was in high school and then Fantastic. kind of just, yeah, kept going from there. So um, I've been writing for a couple of years now. And then I also have a literary journal that I founded a couple of years ago for abuse survivors. Mm -hmm. um, and then right now I'm in school for my master of social work. So hopefully I will have more time for writing after I graduate. Yeah, the big endeavors. <laughs> I know, although a life in social work doesn't sound like it gives you a lot of time. That was my initial reaction, you know, <laughs> it's a no. hard work. Yeah, we'll see. I've been working in kind of related fields for a couple of years, so I'm right. used to it. Yeah. 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 Okay. But Very when good. you add that school aspect onto it, your days are kind of spoken for. I think your hours are spoken for. Oh, good for. point. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Good point. All right. Great. Well, let's, these pieces were powerful for sure. Yes. So I guess you want to talk a little bit about Pastoral as the award winning one to start? Yeah. What sure. was the inspiration behind? I mean, obviously, this is, this is deep. And so can you talk a little bit about what inspired you to write it? Sure. So pastoral was really inspired by my experiences when I was a college student with substance use and trauma. So I had experienced a couple overdoses when I was in college, and mm. the piece was really about that experience and then kind of how that really shaped my relationship with uh, spirituality and faith, um, and then also how it shaped my relationship with my parents. I think, you know, at the time I was in that experience, it was really easy to be angry at my parents for how they reacted to that experience and I was Th a these are your personal these are your personal struggles or people that right. you watched your these personal, my personal okay. struggles oh, okay yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so um but then looking back I think I have a lot of grace and compassion for how my parents responded during that yeah. time yeah. um so it, it was kind of like a forgiveness poem to to myself at the time and then also to my parents oh I love that I, yeah. I just have to say thank you for being vulnerable to put that on the page. I know you're going into social work and so you're really into helping people and but it takes a lot to share your own story when it's painful. Mm -hmm. But there are going to be so many people who will benefit from listening to you and knowing your experience and where you've come from and uh, that that compassion, that understanding is so invaluable, I think. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, and I I could see that these poems I, my instinct was that this was from personal experience, you know, because it's so raw. I don't yeah. know how to describe it otherwise, but when I read it, I was just emotionally pulled in, and the language you use is beautiful. So it didn't surprise me that I didn't necessarily want to ask that question, but it didn't surprise me. You've had that experience, and you relay that very clearly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I would say most of my poems are about personal experience. It's really difficult for me not to write about experiences yeah, that yeah. I've been through. It, interesting it definitely makes it more authentic when you can write from experience right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, would you like to talk about any of the others have restorative justice next sure um the other ones are kind of more focused on my personal experiences and then also my work experiences i've worked in the domestic violence field for the past couple of years and mm -hmm. uh, part of that has involved um, actually tracking domestic violence homicides in minnesota Oh, so wow. it's, you know, it's really kind of heavy work and just you're hearing yeah. a lot of really painful stories about people who have lost their lives. So, yeah. you know, and it's it's emotionally taxing. So kind of just yes. incorporating that into my poems, I think, was a major inspiration for the rest of them. I always ask this question is, do you feel like writing poetry was therapeutic for you, an outlet for you? Because it is heavy work. I mean, doing mm. what you do takes a special talent. Not everybody can handle that. But even the toughest, you know, day to day, 
having an outlet. So is, is this an outlet for you? Definitely. Yeah, it's very cathartic. I feel like every time I write a poem, I always feel like a weight has been lifted when I'm oh, finished. Like it's very therapeutic. Yes. Yeah. Letting it go into the poetry. I love that. Yeah. Well, I do have to say on on um, pastoral, <clears throat> one of my favorite phrases, lines, whatever you want to call it, like repelling down 50 feet of land. That's um, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I love this. An overdose is a psalm. I, I think that's that's really powerful, um, right there. It can have so many different meanings. Uh, my sister struggled with um, with alcohol, and so it kind of brings brings things close to home and makes me appreciate your writing even more. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, and now let's ask about Nighthawk. So, I guess this would be an ekphrastic poem because it's about an image. Is that, have you done a lot of those where you Whoa. do a poem related Breaking to... Out fancy words. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's that's what it is. I didn't intend for it to be, but I guess yeah. that's what it is. Well, but so have you looked at... Because I guess if you have you looked at other works of art and then written poems about them, or is this kind of your first one? Just curious. I would say yes. Um, I typically either focus on like pieces of artwork or I focus a lot on Greek mythology. So... Mm. I, there's kind of something that's always linked in my poem, like an outside object or an outside art form. Um, but I had never written about this particular piece of art before. Interesting. Okay. I'm oh, just curious. Yeah. Well, all of these poems are quite powerful. I mean, I'm sure we could talk about them all individually. Yes. Um, or we can go it, into your background some more. Yeah. Is, is there anything else you'd like to say about your poems? Anything you hoped the reader would experience as you were as they were reading them? I mean, I always kind of wish that readers will would have similar experiences that I have when I read poems, like that yeah. feeling at the end of the poem when you you kind of just have that moment of stillness and you're like, mm -hmm. wow, that was really impactful. I think yeah. after I read a really powerful poem, I just kind of have to sit there for a couple seconds and feel the weight of that. So yeah, it would be amazing if other people felt something similar reading my work. I love that. Carrying it with you in the day. I think exactly. that your poetry, I think, has has that weight to to make you want to carry it through the day you know and, and chew on it a little bit later yeah i agree and i find i'm reading some poetry books now and it's hard to read i mean it's hard to read multiple poems back to back in a way you know i know they're uh chat books and what i've assembled poetry but it's hard to because if it's powerful like this you're kind of like blown away you've got to put the book down and go do something <laughs> else you know yeah right yeah i, I typically take a break between reading poems because of yeah. that reason yeah. What about when you're writing them? Do you That's find... a really good question. Yeah. Uh, I would say, honestly, I do the opposite. Like, I, I can sit down and probably write, like, three or four poems in one sitting without stopping. I just, yeah. I don't know why it's the opposite, but that's just what I've always done. It, maybe it's because you're releasing it rather than taking it in. Right. Yeah, and so you can, like, ooh, that was fantastically released. I have more to say, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> It makes room for something else to rise to the surface, almost. Oh, very cool. Well, I am really fascinated by the fact that you founded a literary and art journal, Persephone's Daughter. Or is it Persephone's Daughter or Persephone's Daughters? Daughters. Okay. So can you tell us about this journal and your vision for it? Like how you how you started it, your vision for it as it is now? and where you see it going. I think that's fascinating and delve Thank into you. that. 
Yeah, so I founded it also when I was in college. I think this was around 2015. That's amazing. So I had experienced sexual violence, and that's related to the substance use that I mentioned earlier. But because I was already writing at the time, I was kind of looking for whether there were specific journals out there that took work from yeah. survivors. And mm -hmm. I mean, there, there could have been, but if there were, I just wasn't finding them. So I just, yeah. I felt like there was this gap that there wasn't any journal that was specifically focusing on kind of this therapeutic aspect that you mentioned earlier, yeah. Melissa, mm -hmm. um, for survivors. So, and I was really involved kind of in online communities of writing. So I had several other people that I asked, hey, would you be interested in possibly starting this project with me? Yeah. So I had no programming experience or anything like that so i kind of just cobbled together a wordpress site and then yeah. we uh, got a submittable page and then we kind of just opened it up and we really relied on social media really heavily and yeah. i thought you know maybe we'll get five submissions yeah but we got several dozens for our first issue so it it just kind of validated that this was a need that a lot of people were having yeah. that they mm -hmm. they wanted a safe space for their art or writing I love that. And so it just kind of um, went on from there. And I've been doing it for the past couple of years. And we also expanded it into short films, which has been really interesting. Um, You'll have to explain a little bit more about that and how that works. What does that look like, short films? Yeah. So we, um, I have a really good friend who's an actor and a director. So he found this portal called Film Freeway, which is an online website where people can actually submit film submissions wow so we created like this online film festival and then people submitted short films through there and then we just posted them on the site wow so um yeah that sounds terrific yeah yeah, yeah. so are you are you able to pay folks for their submissions i really really wish that we could um, our team is all volunteer team we have talked in the past couple of years about trying to be able to fundraise um or receive donations so that we can pay submitters because that's something that I really believe in that any literary journal should be doing. Um, but it's, it's just really difficult as anyone sure, knows who runs a literary journal. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, still continually trying to find ways to be able to do that eventually. Yeah, no, I hear you. We, we are, we're in that same boat. We started off without paying folks. <laughs> so, and only recently in the last, I mean, you know, we've been experimenting on ways that we can afford and to pay. So it is a challenge for sure. Well, in the saturated social media space, it's hard to get your voice out there because mm -hmm. there are so many people talking. So when you hear have so many people talking, who's going to hear you? You know, you really have to yell and scream. And sometimes it takes a long time right. before you're before you're heard. So your concept is absolutely fantastic. It's mm -hmm. a great platform. Um but I think it'll probably take time for people to hear about it, you know, and you'll grow as as you get more exposure and things like that. So, wow, I just think that's that's fantastic. I love that as an outlet for people, for survivors, but also for those who maybe aren't able. We, we talked about this in a previous show who aren't able to put their feelings into words mm -hmm. that they can look at that and say, yes, that is how I am feeling and have that deep connection and an appreciation that somebody else was able to capture their feelings and feel validated for it. Yeah, and I think um, it's been interesting because we've gotten emails from people over the years who've said, I am not 
submitting anything or I haven't submitted anything yet. I don't write poetry, but reading some of these pieces, I feel like I might try because it seems like a good way for me to express the feelings oh, that yeah. I have. That's wonderful. I yeah. love that. That's, that's terrific. Yeah. So social work, what in particular has drawn you into that realm? Yeah, I kind of have some guesses of, from mm-hmm. how you got started. But yeah, I mean, just like you said, you started writing in high school and you had your your teacher and everything. What what led you away from a writing career and, and into social work? That's a really good question. Um, I think a lot of people in social work, and obviously I can't speak for everyone, but a lot of people go into the field because they have some personal experience with some social work issue. Yeah. Um, like I, I used to work at a domestic violence shelter, and the reason that I uh, chose to work there was because I had experienced domestic violence myself. Mm. So kind of just this drive to better be able to advocate for other people who have experienced trauma or similar experiences and... Um, so I, I did a lot of social work related work before I entered the program, but there wasn't really that professional background that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, licensure is really a big piece of being able to actually practice social work. And yeah, you can't get that if you don't go into an academic program. So just really kind of wanted to better, um, I think, just booster those skills and that knowledge so that I can really work with survivors um, better and more empathically. Do you have a, a position that you're looking for where you continue where you are? Like, is there something, is there a particular field that you're targeting? So I currently work at a statewide domestic violence coalition in Minnesota, which focuses a lot on like macro level social work. So it's more like policy and prevention. Mm-hmm. But I'm really interested in returning to direct service work. And I'm really interested in uh, working specifically with people who've experienced substance use. So that's kind of like my ultimate goal. And, um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of students in my program who are stressed about finding jobs, but we know that there's never really a shortage of social work opportunities. So yeah, I guess I'm just seeing where things will take me after I graduate. Yeah, wow. I'm very curious with your tendency to start things that don't exist, if you'll end up starting something. And once you get your feet wet a little bit out there, I have, I have this feeling you, you might do something like that. I hope so. <laughs> Which I yeah. think it would, I think you would be a success. I mean, I don't, I don't know you very well, but just looking <laughs> at everything, uh, I'm getting that impression. Thank you. Okay. Well, in talking about the social work aspect and how that ties into writing, your poem that gained you know, a viral following. I get, I don't know if it's a viral following or went viral. I guess in 2015. I would love to know more about that. It's entitled "The Morning After I Killed Myself." Fantastic title. Mm. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about that? And I mean, it's you, you've said that it was viewed over 7 million times. That's amazing. What do you think drew people to that and what inspired you to write it? And tell us a little bit about the poem in general, if you will. So I wrote the poem in 2015, actually kind of to myself. Um, when I was going through all the trauma that I mentioned and, you mm-hmm. know, re- really struggling with uh, suicidal ideation. And so it was mm-hmm. kind of this letter to myself to try to kind of keep me back from that ledge and it's about a woman who uh, completes suicide and then she looks back um, the morning after and she kind of sees how the suicide is impacting people close to her and people who aren't so close to her wow that gives me chills thank you yeah and she she regrets her decision um so i mean it was just this piece that i wrote to myself and then i posted it on tumblr which was 
this writing platform that I used pretty extensively in high school, mm-hmm. but I was in college at the time. And then it just took off. Uh, I yeah. don't like people reblogged it and then other people reblogged it and then people posted it on like YouTube and Reddit and all these other sites. So I just, wow. it really mm. blew up. I never expected the kind of reach that it would have. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. It does give me chills just hearing about it because that is impactful. And you think about, I think that um, the pandemic especially has really, I mean, we don't, this is about writing, but I think it's so important to mesh writing with mental health. You know, I think that a lot of people during the pandemic really suffered uh, with, with suicidal ideation. I mean, it's a, it's a topic where a lot of people felt like their life had completely changed and they Mm -hmm. struggled. Then you add, you know, everything else in life that's, that's difficult. So your words obviously impacted a lot of people. And I think that's the power of words. Things you say, things you think can really have that spiraling effect. So I find that, I find that fascinating. How did you feel when you, when that started happening? What were, what was going on inside? I was just very surprised. I mean, I, I was like, I posted this on my personal writing blog and, (laughs) you know, suddenly it has millions of views and it it was just kind of like a surreal experience. Um, Mm. I mean, some of my work had been fairly well known before that, but that was the first poem that kind of went viral. Yeah. It was just, it was very surreal. Um, It was very, I think, gratifying. Um, And I just, even though I had written it to myself, I was eventually just really glad that it kind of had this ripple effect that I had never imagined or even intended. Yeah. Oh, the power of the written word. I know. And the internet kind of combined. It's, right. And it's yes. good and badness, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good and badness. That's very true. Yeah. Well, so you do writing other than poetry? I have done quite a few prose pieces. I had also done some short stories in high school. Uh-huh. I have always wanted to get back to short stories. I just never have. So I'm hoping that's something I can get back into after graduation when I have more time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, these poems are basically short stories in a way, you know? And yeah, so that's I, true. These ideas just flesh them out some more. Yeah. It's um, right. anyway, hmm, fascinating. Yeah, I would love to read those. I know. Yeah. It makes you think. Well, so you're, are you, so you're working now and in graduate school? I am. Yeah, I'm a full-time student, and then I'm working um, a couple different jobs, but I graduate in December, so the light is at the end of the tunnel there. Yeah, Congratulations. Thank you. Well, so how do you make time to write in your current situation? Yeah. It's really hard. Um, Sometimes I'll be reading poetry, and then I kind of get that spark, and then that'll, that'll jog something, and I'll write. But I actually started something called a Poem a Day Challenge, when I started oh. graduate school and for some reason just kind of making myself do that and writing a poem every day and sitting down and allotting, you know, 15, 20 minutes, that really, really helped. So I've been oh. able to do that a lot. But I think, you know, as I progress towards graduation, it just been not nearly as much time as I would hope for writing. Yeah, sure. Oh, but you're so close. I'm just, very close. Just I'm excited. Two, oh, yeah. A little over two months. That's yep. that's big deal. And then you'll, what would you like for your writing to look like, like your writing agenda? Um, 
I would like to get back into the literary journal, Persephone's Daughters, because I've kind of had to put a pause on that during school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to do that. I'd like to do more virtual events for that literary journal. Um, and honestly, I think I'd like to publish another chat book. I think it's been like six or seven years since I last published one. So that's kind of my my ultimate goal at some point. Hmm. Self-published or did you get that published elsewhere? A couple of them were published by smaller presses, and then a couple of them I did self-publish. Yeah, that's great. Very cool. Well, so you mentioned reading. So tell us, what, what kind of things do you read? Do you read a lot of poetry, or do you are you across the board? A lot of poetry, yeah. And I think that's, <laughs> that's shifted in the past couple of years. It's been almost exclusively poetry, but I, wow. do, I do really like memoirs a lot. I find them really poetic somehow. Uh, yeah. Um, and those have really been inspiring for my poetry, but also really difficult to find time to read during graduate school when you're just, <laughs> yeah, I bet. you know, reading yeah, textbooks. Yeah. So <laughs> that's not as joyous as as other readings. No, it's not. Mm. All right. Well, we haven't asked this. Oh, I'm sorry, Melissa. Did you have a question? No, I was going to say you should probably ask your favorite. Uh, I-, I was going to ask my favorite. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> you had that look on your face. Uh, I get that little glimmer in my eye um so do you remember the first work that the first poetry and or book that made you cry and or if that's you can't then um a book that had a big impact on your life bonus if you have tears though bonus for both (laughs) yeah um i remember reading the poem nearly a valediction by marilyn hacker Hmm. several years ago and it's interesting because that's the only poem of hers that I've read. I never read any of her other work, which I don't huh. I don't really understand why I did that. But <laughs> her her poem is just this really beautiful love poem. And she the way that she uses metaphors is just absolutely um, intriguing to me. I mean the entire poem is just metaphors and she writes about love without writing about love. And I just that really, really struck me because it just really showed me the the power of language and yeah. It was that same feeling that I talked about earlier that after I finished it, it was, it's kind of like a physical feeling of being stunned. Like you, you can't get mm-hmm. up, you can't move because you're just, it's just absolutely astonishing. So mm-hmm. I don't remember if I cried after reading the poem, but it was a very, very emotional experience. I was just kind of, I was really blown away by that poem. Yeah, tell, sure. Tell us the name of it again. Uh, Nearly a Valediction by Marilyn Hacker. Oh, terrific. You make me curious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's. I mean, I could probably count on my, on both hands, I guess, a number of times where I have been so moved through reading that I had to, like, put put the book down, and literally step away from reading it for a while because I was just either angry or like I just can't. Like, I'm I'm not in a place emotionally with things that are going on in my life to be able to continue with the emotional distress that's going on in this fictitious, you know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> life. And, um, but it is so powerful. And I love the way you describe that as like a physical feeling, because I think it probably is, you know, your brain just yeah. turns, I mean, you are, you know, you're basically, um, living through them. And so, yeah, your, your body is responding in that way. Yeah. Different chemicals released. Right. 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 Uh, very good. Okay, well, All I'm right. going to ask my my favorite question. Fine. <laughs> uh, usually it's not too exciting. The, the question is more exciting, I think, than most of the answers we get. But because <laughs> nobody does anything odd. But do you have a writing quirk, something that you always do before you write or that inspires you to, like, 
to write? Do you have to be in a particular location? Do you listen to music? Things like that. I can't listen to music when I write. Yeah. Which yeah. is, I don't know, it feels weird, but I, I just can't. Like, I can't have any outside sound. I always have to be in complete silence. Um, oh, that's interesting. I don't know if that's really a quirk, but... Um, it's it's quirk adjacent. Okay, yeah. Quirk yeah. Adjacent. Quirk adjacent. <laughs> quirk adjacent. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's I, interesting. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I don't know if this is a quirk either, but I don't really edit my poems. I I know that's bad. Really? No, I don't wow. like editing. I don't like editing. I just, I try to avoid it. That's wow, amazing. That's impressive. Goodness gracious. So then if you do not edit your poems, this is a juicy piece of business. Do you, <laughs> <laughs> what, how does that change how you write the poem? Do you spend longer on the line? I would, yeah, I think probably, honestly. Yeah. It's okay if you don't. If it just comes out, then it just comes out. I mean, yeah, you know, you, yeah, it, just curious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like I got. I mean, I, I edit my academic work. I edit everything yeah. else. It's just poetry. I just, I won't. I can't for some reason. It seems like, though, you're yeah. capturing these deep feelings that are coming through. And it's like, sometimes I'll have this thought. And if I don't write it down and I try to recapture it later, it's not the same. So I wonder if it's similar, if you like that idea is like it is solid on the page. If you go back and you try to tweak with it, you might mess with the original intent. Right. I Honestly, I think that's part of it. Like, I, I just feel like if I went back and edited it, it would change the meaning entirely. It's yeah. Just, it's not true to the original feeling I had when I wrote it. Yeah. Oh, that is very cool. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so then let me ask this. Um, how do you approach line breaks? then in your poetry oh that's a good question um i guess i don't really have an answer to that i just <laughs> it's wherever it feels natural honestly yeah. and it yeah. somehow it usually works out yeah yeah, yeah. No, i'm just curious because that's uh we talked about this on one of our other shows and um i'm always fascinated by how that how that happens in the creative process yeah it's true yeah how different people approach writing is so fascinating to me. You know, it's the difference between pantsers and plotters and, and you know, some people, you know, you're supposed to have these tent poles in writing, you know, where you have major things happening at certain times in the novel to maintain interest and all that stuff. Some people seem to do that naturally. They don't, they don't read any craft books. It just comes out on the page. And other people are, are like, they are hardcore study the works put them in exactly the right place uh, one of my writing friends she is very she wants everything in the right place and i'm just like hey if it's at 52 percent i'm okay i don't she's like no it needs to be at 50 percent 50 percent you know <laughs> so it's so funny how we're, we're just different and it works you know it works for different people in different ways and i think that's the beauty but you because it works for one person one way doesn't mean it has to be your way. You can make it work for you in a completely different way. Exactly. So yeah, I love that yeah. because you previously we've had somebody who's, you know, working to make sure the right word is at the end. And here you are, you they're successful, you're successful. And yet you're it's more it's a little more natural. Like it just comes. And I'm not mm -hmm. thinking about it. And I think that's fascinating. And I think it's really neat how that we, we don't fit into a mold and that you can make your own path and still be successful without following some rules. Yeah, oh, of course, sure. Well, I mean, I think poetry these days is not about the rules so much as it perhaps 
once was, depending on the type of poetry you are writing also. Yeah. But I mean, what makes it effective, though? You know, you're just you're not going to just write. Yeah. You know, some things are not going to flow as well. Oh, I'm I'm well, for me, they don't. (laughs) Yeah, Probably for me either. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, well, we when we talked with A.M. Ringwald, she's a professor and she's been on the show and she's one of the judges for this competition. And we asked her a lot of questions about what is poetry, and she was kind of like, wow, that's a really hard question to answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just fascinating how it's – because some people, like the way it looks on the page in a yeah. poem is part of the experience, yeah. you know? So is that something that comes up with you? It would sound like perhaps not for you. It's more about the meaning maybe and the meter or the the flow. Yeah, I, I've kind of experimented over the years with like um... – I don't know, you call it like changing formatting and, you know, putting like indents in different places. And I've, I've seen a lot of people do that and it, mm-hmm. it somehow really adds to the poem, but mm-hmm. it, it just doesn't feel natural for my work. So I, I don't really do that anymore. Yeah. yeah it's it's not really visual for me. <laughs> right. Huh. Yeah. I found sometimes from the submissions that I have read, people do that and they pull it off successfully. But I think that adding that visual element in a way is more challenging, really, because you're, yeah. Because you're disrupting the reader's experience, and that may be what you want to do, you know. But um, I guess I just have a very particular way I like to read my poems. So. <laughs> you're a poetry snob. I am. I know. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just that. kidding. I'm just kidding. You're not. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing with writing. You know, uh, different styles appeal to different people. That's all there is to it. It's very subjective. Yeah. yeah. So subjective. Every, every bit of writing, I think. Yes. All right. Well, we are coming up on time. And one of the questions that we always ask at the end is what kind of writing advice might you have for aspiring poets or writers in general? And it could be a resource, whatever, um, or even just for our our curious listeners. Sure. Um, I'd have to go back to a book that my high school English teacher gave us. He gave us Writing Down the Bones by Natalie Goldberg. And she Hmm. had this one quote, in the book, it's a book about writing craft, but she wrote about writing about what scares you. And mm. I just, I kind of took that and I just ran with it. And that's kind of what I've done for all of my poetry sense. And I know that doesn't work for everybody, but I think just really pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, that's where you kind of end up with the best writing. I like mm. that. Because yeah, when I do. You're, I like that too. Yeah. When you're writing about something that scares you, you're writing about emotions. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Those are mm. those are some of the strongest emotions because I'm thinking, well, you know, things that I would be afraid of to write about it. The language that I would use, you know, would be different than just something else. Yeah, but things that you are personally and emotionally afraid of, or just afraid to write about, <laughs> because like I, oh, the, I'm yeah, afraid to write about questions. food. I have a hard time with writing about food. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like describing it in a story, you know, all that stuff. I just like ah. But yeah, I know afraid. it's so important because yeah. you don't you but don't care different. about it. Maybe, but just that's like a you don't kind care about the internals of your character, you just what? like the story. <laughs> not totally true. <laughs> not totally, not totally. But I know yeah. I'm. I'm just like let me get everything my character is thinking onto the page, and you're just like I don't need all of that. I want but, people to figure that out. <laughs> yes, yes. But no, that that's an interesting question on whether it's something that. And what I think you mean is the fears that you have as a as a person, but as not person. something that you're yeah. afraid of to write about. Yeah. Or that I'm makes sure you that. yeah. That's how I took it, right? But I, I suppose you could take it any number of ways. No, I think you took it the right way. I was just making fun. <laughs> yeah. So. 
Yeah, I think if you tried to write something that you were afraid to write about, that you would have a much harder time. I think that would stunt you rather than Mm -hmm. help you. But I think writing from your fears, you've got those emotions that that are behind all those fears that you're going to put on the page. Yeah, you know, draw people in. And and same thing. I'm talking a lot, but it's kind of exciting to think about those shared experiences because you know when you read you want to have shared experiences you want to feel like somebody understands you right and so i think that's part of writing about fear if somebody else feels that fear you're like okay i'm not alone yeah good point great all right well maggie thanks so much for coming on the show and sending us your work so we can share it with the world so excited you got honorable mention and um i know that when folks read it and or hear it they uh they'll really enjoy it so thank you thank you so much for having me thank you thank you it's been a pleasure and thank you again for being so vulnerable thank you very much for listening we hope you enjoyed the show if so please help us spread the word by telling your friends or giving us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app those reviews really make a difference we'd like to thank the folks at literature and latte the makers of scrivener for sponsoring the podcast and providing an amazing tool for writers. If you'd like to take your writing to the next level and use a tool designed for writers by writers, then give Scrivener a try. What have you got to lose? The Story Discovery Podcast is a free narrated podcast of the works that appear in Etched Onyx Magazine. Edited by J.W. McAteer, all stories and poems are available for free at onyxpublications.com. That's onyxpublications.com. If you'd like to support the continuation of this podcast and or the magazine, please consider a small donation through Patreon at patreon.com slash onyxpublications. As a nano publishing house, we are always looking for new works to showcase. If you'd like to submit a story or poem for consideration, please visit the submissions page on our website. In the meantime, keep reading and writing.